Um, what I wanted to say before we got started, I ran into, I mean, my early life uh, was, uh, I was just, I knew I couldn't see God. I knew he was uh, invisible. I didn't know a bunch about him, except I tried to avoid him because uh, I thought maybe I had a better uh, direction, which is really foolhardy. But, and over the years, I've looked occasionally at mystics because my experience with God is, has been, was primarily prayer and, uh, and waiting. And it was good, and, and then I, I, I got out of that. But I want to read what, uh, and, and one of the aspects that, I, that we must really understand eventually and treat it with the intensity that it's, that it's us, that we are that generation, or a part of it certainly, that had been fueled by Christ. And Christ is a, is a mystery given to us. Jesus was called Christ, but there were Christ before that. And I'm going to read uh, from a man out of the uh, 12th century. He was a Catholic. And, he, and I knew, when I read it, I thought, dear, this guy knew and was fueled by Christ. And none of these men have it all. That's important. You have everything you need for the fuel to get you where you're going. And I thought, uh, I, I thought the... Uh, the emphasis, and those of you who didn't hear uh, Gabriel the other day, it wouldn't hurt for you to, to tune in when you think about the overwhelming source that God has provided for us. There's no excuse except we're fearful, we hold to our own, or we're in love with the world. But let me read this, and uh, I'll get out of here. Um, the central... Uh, theme of this man's sermons is the presence of God. Now the Catholic Church didn't like him. He was under surveillance and, and got more problems before they, they really went after individuals. But he was one of the first. It's the presence of God in the individual soul and the dignity of the soul of the just man. Although he elaborated on this theme, he rarely departed from it. And in one sermon, Eckhart gives the following summary of what he believed. And I'm giving this to you, not that, you know, read some mystic is not going to help you. This is information. But this is what a man of God who knew Christ in all the confusion and the morass of history, he he stands out, certainly to me. He says, when I preach, I usually speak of detachment and say that a man should be empty of self, all things, and all things, empty of himself. And, and then he says, secondly, that he should be reconstructed in the simple good that God is. Dear Lord, is that a good line? 
the reconstruction of anything that's happened to you and you're online, it's because God has done a demolishing job in your life and in mine. Would you say that's true? And we're thankful for that, aren't we, as we move? And, uh, and secondly, and that he should be reconstructed in the simple good that God is. And thirdly, that he should consider the great, and this was a line that got me, he cons should consider the great aristocracy in his soul. And you're being made, every one of you are being made priests. And the, the kingship, the lordship, and the sharing of all that God has, an equal share. Uh, I, you know, I'm messing around a little bit with the will, and, and I don't have that much to mess much. It doesn't take a lot of time. But uh, I'm uh, pretty much aware that uh, I may be on the edge of uh, an, a, another direction. But when I read this man, I knew that he knew Christ. That he had a relationship that was viable. That had blood in it, that, that had life in it, that had something that was ongoing. That he was uh, uh, <laughs> demolished probably as he was. And, and of course they went after him. But there's an aristocracy. If you can stay under if I can stay under what God is building, it's so vast and so great within us that it, it gives you a headache to try to figure out. And there are no words. There are some things he said about God that I just love because he said anything. If you go prating about about God, you're, you're off because we can't have the words to define him. If you say he's good, he, he didn't like that either. He said, well, then he's going to get better. And God is not better. He's complete. He doesn't need our adjectives and our prating about projecting what he is. But you have an aristocracy, a kingship, a lordship, a joint heirship with, with the world because of what you are doing with your life if you're giving it and then finally and he said well he said God has set up in the soul such that by means of it man may wonderfully attain to God attain to God and and the depth of what that means you can meditate on and fourthly of the purity of the divine nature that's what this is all about. You, you come to, I come to, the purity of a, of a divine nature. And I don't think there's any question, folks, that uh, God is making it very clear that we're not there yet. In, in the sense of the fullness. But he is so good at diving into our problems. At least he is with mine. And, and so there's, don't concern yourself about the hatred that you have for what you are, because that's the dealing of a God who is making you a king, making you a priest, making you a divine person who's going to live forever uh, in the presence of Almighty God.
Lord, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for the greatness of your plan, the intention and the provision of Christ from the beginning, the Lamb slain, the mystery of, of this Lord within us that must be directed by God himself. Uh, help us, dear one, great Father, everlasting counselor, friend, help us to not be afraid of what our sacrifice means, the pain, the cross, the dying daily. Give us uh, the, the fulfilling heart that uh, would please you for Jesus' sake. And everybody said, let's sing.
uh, habits are... They don't fit Singapore, they don't fit Alaska. I don't know where they fit, but... Um, so... Thank you all for your prayers. Uh, it, was a, it was a great trip. I was struck with the... Um, the magnitude... Is this, this on? Can you hear that? Okay. Uh, I was struck with the magnitude of... Um, the love of God for His people. Um, that He's still working with them. And all kinds of funny little places. And, and you know... Uh, the people of God are not uh, marked by... Uh, anything particularly external, uh, but actually uh, they're marked by the <clears throat> the hunger and desire of God that's still functioning uh, that you can see or, or sense. Um, there's a little place outside of uh, Kuching, uh, Malaysia, and um, it's called Surakay. And historically, we've had a, a meetings there, but this time uh, they came over to Kuching and joined the family there. And um, and it's such a precious family. Their last name is King, and they got several unpronounceable first names, which um, <coughs> ironically, uh, Joe Latour is good at remembering Chinese names. I can't remember anybody else's name, but the Chinese name she remembers. I, don't, I, don't know. I mean, I can't even. It helps me sometimes when I see a word, um, then I can remember. Like if I see it written. So, if you look at Chinese characters, I told them at one point because they have the music the words in English, and they sing, because we're there, I think, I'm not certain always, so they sing in Chinese and they sing in English. And they have the words in Chinese. And I said, because <laughs> I, I look at the Chinese and I think, I look at it, I said, you know, one of the greatest miracles I am witnessing right even now that you, all those little lines in each little thing that you put together, that somehow says something. Um, I said, you know, this word here is made up of, you know, five letters. This here is made up of 105 marks. And um, how you read that, that's a miracle of God. Um, but the thing that you do resonate, this family that came in particular, the King family, and they've been there, they were there, I went to see them in 1996 when I went over there for a few months. And Hannah and Gabriella came over and, and we went to their place and, and that's the place that uh, Christopher San said, um, there's, a, there's really a few, there's, in the fellowship, there's, a, there's some very, a few very committed saints. And so what I thought that meant was that within every fellowship, you know, there's people that are more committed than others, you know. And, and I thought he was saying they stood out in the fellowship. But what he actually was saying was that there were three saints and they're all committed, um, which is good. Um, and we got there and we had a... a uh, a very uh, rough ride. 
Um, getting to the road was horrific, and the van was horrific, and I, I thought Hannah was going to commit murder that day driving, because Gabriella at one point, they don't have seatbelts, they didn't back then, and Gabriella went airborne and smacked her head on top of the, in the, the roof of the van. That, that's how bad it was. Um, anyway, we had, I don't know, two or three services, I can't remember. Nonetheless, that's a long way to say this family is still there, the King family. And in particular, the father, who was a contractor, builder, and he built a bunch of stuff around. And he actually was the contractor for the big church facility in Kuching. Maybe, John, did you see that? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful facility. Oh, yeah, you met Brother King. It's a beautiful facility. And... Um, and he was the contractor that did it. And anyway, well, he's still, he's 92 or something. I don't know. And he embraced me. He can't hear. It, but it doesn't make any difference. You know, he sits in every service. And you can't hear the preaching or anything, but it doesn't make a difference. Um, and, and maybe he's better off. I don't know. <laughs> But he embraced me as though, um, when we saw each other, he embraced me as though, like, uh, I don't know, I, it was, uh, you had the sense that this guy was a, was a true saint of God. And then you look at his, uh, his son and his daughter and their kids that are grown up, and it, it's a beautiful family. One of their daughters came up for prayer after the end of the time in Kuching, the last service. And, and she's in, I think she, I think it's medical school, I'm not sure. But she had tears coming down her cheeks because she said, I, my school is so demanding, my schooling is so demanding, I, I, don't, I don't have a, so much time for the Lord as I need. That was the great burden of her heart. And um, of course, Joe and I thought maybe she should lay hands on us rather than we lay hands on her. But. Anyway, it's a beautiful family, but all, my point is that all that, the thing that's beautiful is that you see the way that God keeps his children for so many years, and not just that, but that the desire of their hearts is still functional uh, and, and living, and uh, that is really what is of significance, that there is a desire and a yearning um, for the work of God uh, to be completed in, in our hearts. For all the capacity in this room, um, and there's a lot, <clears throat> there isn't anyone that can manu manufacture a perfect heart. And um, when you see the beauty of that heart that is offered still to the Lord, uh, it's very moving. And it doesn't matter how many people are there, or how few, or how dynamic or not, or, we're in a place uh, called Kuala Lumpur, which uh, I know you were there, John, right? In KL, because they, Cassia, they asked for, for uh, Brother John and Carol, um, and they wanted to be remembered. But um, if you saw this place, it's a very funny little place that they meet at, and it's a very funny little group. And... Uh, there's no comeliness that you would desire it. And outside, I think it was, it was either the first or second night, uh, the next door cat had had kittens. 
so there was these kittens roaming all around the entryway and trying to come into the church. And, um, anyway, it's just a funny, funny place. And this one service, this elderly gentleman, um, his name is uh, Gao. And um, at least as far as I could tell. <laughs> He's been there a long time, pretty faithful brother. He stood up in front of everybody to lead praise. And all he did was raise his hands and had us start praising. And the roof came off the building. And I, you know, and I, I just, once again, you reminded that, boy, all the trappings that we think we need or the, the right songs that we got to pick. And, I, and, and I'm not for the wrong songs, so, <laughs> you know. But really, you need the presence of God in a heart that is hungry for him. And, and because that's who God sees. And that's who God is working with. And um, so I think, uh, maybe all I'd like to say, I didn't, I didn't really plan on preaching, but um, there is a desire in my heart for sleeping, actually. <laughs> I was up from, I don't know, at one, I went to bed early, you know, and I was up from at one o'clock thinking somehow it was time to get up. Um, anyway, for a long time, I didn't, I didn't succumb and go make coffee. <laughs> I almost did, but, um, but I guess what I'd like to say to all of us is that there is no, there is never a time, never, let me just underline never, there's never a time uh, that's appropriate for us to back off from our relationship with the Lord. There's never a circumstance, there's never a condition that you find yourself in. Uh, and we find ourselves in conditions. Um, you know, if we can step back and realize that the days on this earth, the days of our flesh, really are, are for the trial of our faith. That's the most significant thing. That's why we're on this earth, really. That's the preeminent issue for all of us, is God wants to demonstrate in a hostile environment that he, His Spirit is able to conduct us uh, through this life with all its challenges and our humanity uh, and because God is not doing this outside of humanity which that's the great tension isn't it um, that he's doing this in man and he's doing it through man and he's doing it by man and uh, it seems like it would be a lot easier if he omitted that particular part of the whole plan right um, but he isn't he's doing it through man and so there's the tension of that, of our humanity and, and the environment of this world. And I, I think for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves, one of the verses I think is a great verse is in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 4.29. It says, if you've, you know, you've been offensive to the Lord and you've been, you find yourself apart from him and scattered and whatever. You've had circumstances in your life that have created not the 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 sweet savor of, of a, a perfect sacrifice to the Lord, but rather there's uh, perhaps the, the odious uh, savor of anger, resentment. Why is this happening? Uh, all those tensions that work in the heart of man. It says. If you find yourself in 
those conditions. This is, if I wrote a Bible, that would have been my own interpretation. So, um, if from that place, if from thence, it says, if from thence, thence means wherever you find yourself. It isn't that there may be some great lightning bolt that comes down from heaven and changes your position so that you can approach God. It's that if you find yourself in that condition, that once again is not a reason to back off because the, it's, the word says, if you then, from there, not any better condition, if from there, uh, you seek the Lord. If from that place, see, there's no other place because God's got to bring us places that you and I do not want to go. I mean, we know that, right? Another will gird you and carry you where you would not. And um, if from any place that you find yourself in or you find something odious still coming out of your heart, which, is a, which is a, 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 can be demoralizing to us in light of what <laughs> we know that God wants to do with us, you know, in 10 minutes, Bill just laid out a pretty clear vision of the, the divine nature coming forth, you know, and I thought that was a, a enough of a message for me, and, you know, and, and we know that, we know the headings, and we know all those things that we say amen, have said amen to, but we all, we know that the reality of working this out is, geez, such a challenge to us, it's the greatest challenge that we've ever faced, it, it's more challenge than than, uh, you know, working hard and business and everything. It's, the challenge is to have this perfect heart that is so easily to be moved by the hand of God every day in whatever environment we find ourselves in. And I can't, I can't just wake up and, and name that and claim that. Uh, I have to go through the agony of my humanity and, and find myself in a condition that, oh, wow, this is a, a wretched heart that I see. But if from there, if you find yourself in that place because of, and that's uh, what's so silly about comparing ourselves or being judgmental because we don't know what it takes for any of us to come to that place where it's a, it's a full on desire for God that transcends everything else that's going on in our lives. Um, but the promise is that you'll find him um, if from that place. Um, I read this scripture. Maybe that's the only thing I'll, the last thing I'll say. I read this scripture um, in, in Luke 15. And you can turn if you want to, but A lot of people have asked me, did you eat funny things? Everything I ate was funny, pretty much. You really can't look at what you're eating. As you know, the Chinese are excellent, excellent cooks, but you can't look at it because you would never be able to discern a worm from a bug from anything else that's in the food. And in some places, there seems to be a sense of um, sanitation and hygiene. In other places, it looks like it never occurred to anybody. And, um, and anyway, so you just eat, you don't look. You just eat it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, praying over the food is much more meaningful there. <laughs> I mean, it has authenticity. 
The worst of it is, is the quantity of food that they would like you to eat. I'll tell you one story. We went across this river in, in a place called Cebu, which is uh, eastern Malaysia. It's north of um, Kuching. You had to fly there. And um, so, um, so we had to get on this ferry and cross this river. And um, it was an ugly, dirty river. Um, and we, it was a rural section we went to. And the, this guy, um, well, if I had this, he's, he's a great brother. He has two, two kids, younger kids, well, like high school, junior high kids, and a, a really beautiful wife that used to be a Methodist pastor. His name is Shanti. And he's a great brother, but he's like Kevin Hayes on steroids. And, um, or maybe Kevin Hayes when he was 40. I don't know. But he, he took us to his house, and he, he's in, at this farm. And he's doing this hydroponic um, program. Where he, and he's selling vegetables and lettuce. And, uh, but it is, like, unbelievable. He's been in this place for four months. And he must have... I don't know, 60, 75, 80, 80 pipes, <laughs> uh, PVC pipes he's drilled out, and he's got the wa water pumps and everything. All, it's all over the place. Like, it's unbelievable what he's done in four months. And he's got the lettuce. Every 20 days, he cuts the lettuce <laughs> and goes and brings it to a market and sells it and other stuff, too. And he's got chickens, and he's got geese, and he's got all this incredible stuff. He did tell me that he has, they have trouble with pythons and cobras. So I actually was content to stay around the car. This is fine. Honestly, this is beautiful, and I don't want to see it up close. Anyway, he also has honeybees. Anyway, we walked, he, I didn't get right in next to the hives. Donald would appreciate this, but he assured us that they don't, they don't sting. Maybe they don't. They're smaller and they're black and, anyway, and the honey is black. Anyway, I'm not being racist, I'm just saying. <laughs> they know about black honey. I'm not saying it wasn't good, too. But anyway, so we got a tour and then he and this other couple, that family took Joe and I out to, to dinner and we had to go to church. And like, I tend not to eat much before church because I don't want to fall asleep. And um, so they, they bring us to a separate room. It wasn't like one of those places that knew about sanitation. It was out in the rural, rural area. And, but they bring us to a separate room that had this linen tablecloth that was red. And we sat at this table, there was probably 10 of us. And I swear, there was, <laughs> I, I'm exaggerating, I'm sure, but the first platter that came out, I swear they were carrying it like this. It was like it was noodles with a lot of unidentifiable things in it, like piled this high on this platter. And then they proceeded to keep doing that for the next 20 minutes with platters of of, uh, of pork and chicken and uh, pr giant prawns and then uh, special greens and uh, like. It was so much food. Like if I just had a taste of everything, I would have been like rolling on the floor. I mean, you're trying to be polite, you know. And, and, um, and then we were supposed to go to church after that. Anyway, at the end of the meal, it was almost like, you know, 
the miracle of the 5,000 because they filled 10 or 12 bags of food to take home with them later. Cause, you know, um, but they always just, the whole point is that they're trying to pour out and give. And, you know, I mean, for 10 people, it costs about $60 for that much food. Like, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, um, that was funny because Joe and I are trying to be gracious and trying. It just was amusing because we, we had to go to church next, you know. So let me just say this about uh, this verse, these verses. It's about uh, Jesus spoke the parable. It says, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, man, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise uh, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than ninety and nine just, per, just persons which need no repentance. Or the woman that has ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece and uh, lights a candle and sweeps the house, and won't she seek it diligently till she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors says, Rejoice with me. Uh, for I found the peace which I lost. And this is the verse that struck me. Uh, you know, I've read it a lot, but it's the first time it really registered. Likewise, I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And I thought, you know, that's not talking about those that just get born again. That's talking about every time we turn our hearts afresh. Because I find that, that the, the turning and returning of my heart as a a constant, ongoing uh, uh, process daily that we are in. Not even, it, not even because of egregious sin, but just because of being just natural. Just because of our humanity. There's a constancy of this turning. And I thought, what a beautiful line this is for us and for me that I can bring joy in the presence of the angels of God. That's the thing that God really, and the angels, are, they, they rejoice over that you have turned afresh. And so let me just say this morning that there's never a time, never a time that you can't turn afresh and say, Lord, here I am again. And I hardly even know what to say. Hosea 14 says, take with you words. That's about what you have. And I know we all get condemned by this statement. Well, actions speak louder than words. But sometimes I don't have actions. And it's my actions that have gotten me in trouble. And all I've got left is words. And sometimes it's just a couple. Like, turn me. Turn my heart. I can't seem to find a perfect heart. And the Bible says the Lord looks to and fro throughout the earth, finding the hearts that are perfect towards him. I know that's what he wants. But I can't manufacture it. But he, there's a good promise in the Bible. You can look it up. That he wants to give you a new heart. That's a heart of flesh. And that means he can turn it wherever he will. And if you don't have that heart, or you don't feel like you do, 
from that place, Lord, turn me again. Uh, here I am. I found, I, I, Lord, I hardly even know how I got this seemingly <laughs> so far, far out here. I didn't plan that, but here I am out there. Can you turn my heart, bring me back, um, and give me that perfect heart? Beautiful scripture, and we don't have to turn to it, but in uh, Isaiah chapter 30, you all know it. Um, it says in, in quietness and confidence, and in returning and rest, you'll be saved. And then the next scripture says, but you said you would not. <laughs> you know what scripture that is? I'm going to just look and see so I don't say it. I want to say it right. In returning and rest shall you be saved in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And you would not. He said, no, no, no. <laughs> I've got some strength left. Uh, we'll flee upon horses, which is the strength of man. Therefore, you will flee. We'll ride upon the swift. Therefore, they shall be swift that pursue you. <laughs> you know, you really can't outrun God, um, which is great, but it's, you know, it's painful. Anyway, but then it says all the, it says, you know, you're not going to do well. Okay. <laughs> And then it says, verse 18, therefore, will the Lord wait? And I think that's such a beautiful scripture because it doesn't say he does, he's waiting for you to get close enough so he can take your head off. It says that he may be gracious to you. The Lord waits. When you get to that point, you're out fence somewhere. <laughs> it says the Lord will wait that he can be gracious to you. And therefore, will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. So God help us. There's never a time, never a condition, never a place where you can't say, Lord, turn my heart. Exactly from there. Don't wait for some magic touch. But you just say, Lord, I just got a, a couple words. I'm taking with me words. <laughs> turn my heart. Amen. Good line for us this morning. Thank you, David. Um, this passage came to mind when he was reading out of Second uh, Chronicles 7. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. I was thinking, um, you know, just sometimes I look around. Hi, Jay. Nice seeing you. Um, I'm looking around. I see Jay Miller. It's like there's very few that are exempt from uh, going through something that is very deep and challenging and and probably for every uh, burden that we know about here there's many that people carry that we don't know 
yeah. because of the way they shoulder the load. And you just never know unless you, you take time to talk and you get them to open up and you find my word. It's like, I thought I was carrying something heavy when you find out. So how, who's carrying the greater load here? I don't know at times. I mean, everybody's under something, it seems like. And I think, um, you know, with that, you can almost feel like at times, you know, my, wherever you're at in that, like it's, it can be overwhelming and it's too great of a challenge. At least that's the way the enemy packages it. That, that what I'm going through is too difficult. And we heard a line this week about pride and that we understand that that really can be nothing more than just pride. That, that I and you, you and me think what I'm facing is off the radar somewhere. And it's even more painful at times when you look and it seems like somebody's getting through or they're getting help. And, you know, where am I? And so at that point, wherever that is, whatever the place is, God forsaken, barren, if from that place we will, what, humble, that's the first step. It's like just quietly humble your, our hearts and wait. And sometimes that takes more strength to wait than what we ever realize. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, when you connect with God and you know that he's heard you, it doesn't matter how the answer comes. In fact, many times when you know that God's heard you, you, you leave the angst about the way you think the answer should come. You just know that he's heard you. Like you're in safe hands when you get through. So Lord, help us. Help us to be the people that really will employ this. Wherever we find ourselves, whatever the condition, whatever the state of mind, that we really will humble, humble ourselves and, and seek him. And he'll hear. Thank you, Lord. Any announcements here? Keep the Greers in prayer. I think they have a two-week trip. I believe they're going to Montana. Is that right? At the end of this uh, Bones Mill. Obviously, we want to remember a situation with that uh, South End with Joanne. Keep her in prayer. All right, Lord, we look to you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the freshness of your spirit, Lord. Father God, our eyes are upon you, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts today, Lord, and with our loved ones, Father. We ask for Joanne, Lord, that you would keep your hand upon her, Lord. Strengthen the Gloria family at this time also. We look to you for coverage for Sister Betty and Brother Bill. Lord, please go before them. Clear the, clear the way, Lord. Keep them safe. Help them with the travel, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the clarity in this line we've heard today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.